listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. We're going to jump into this. I'm going to give you five. What a segue. We're going to give you five. We're going to give you five <laughs> areas uh, of prayer that, that need to be uh, in check in your life because God wants to uh, answer your prayers. He wants you not to be frustrated, not to ask and not receive. What does the Bible say? Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Uh, what else does the Bible say? You have not because you ask not. To everyone who asks, it shall be given. To everybody who knocks, the door shall be opened. And so you can see God's desire. It's to open the door for you. It's to answer your prayers. It's to give you what you're asking for. But it has to be done properly. It has to be done the Bible way. And that's why I want to go over these five things today because if it's not being done the Bible way, if it's not being done properly, re- remember this, God's not responsible to answer prayers that are outside of the confines of his own system. See, he's the prayer answerer, but he's also the one who created the system by which prayers are answered. That's an important thing to remember is that yes, he answers prayers, It's not that he doesn't want to, and it's not that he can't. In fact, the Bible says that the promises of God are yes and amen. That means so be it. So his promises are true. He wants you to enter in on the promises. The promises of God are yes and amen. But if you don't approach God in the confines of his system that he set up, he can't answer your prayers. Because see, he only honors his word and his word set the system by which prayers are answered. And so we're going to cover those because five of these areas, and by the way, in the course, I cover 12 of them in one video, 12 keys to answered prayer. But I want to give you five today that I see the most often, the most often in the body of Christ that keeps people from receiving answers to prayer. That's very, very important. So take a minute to share it. Morning, Lenan. Glad to have you on again today. Um, I'm going to deal with these one by one, but I want to start with this one. Let's go to uh, Jeremiah uh, chapter one. Jeremiah chapter one. This could be maybe one of the most important of all, because I know for a fact that this is a reason that people simply do not have their prayers answered. In fact, I want you to start because knowing the nature and character of God is one of the most important things that you can do as a believer, to know him in his nature and character. If if he's misrepresented in your mind, it will cause you to miss out on his blessings. If you think of God as just this angry being in heaven that's always looking for opportunities to punish you, You've missed his character. You've missed his nature. Jesus explained what it was in Matthew 7. He's a loving heavenly father who gives good gifts to those that ask him. That's his nature. That's his character. If you miss that, then you've missed who he is. 
And so you won't approach him properly because you think he's angry and that he's wanting to punish you. It's not the case. And so I want you to put it in the comments to start the day. God wants to answer my prayers. I want you to write it right from the outset of this broadcast. God wants to answer my prayers. And and when we understand that, it literally puts us head and shoulders above the rest because the devil would have you believe that God is not interested in any way, shape or form in answer. You know what, you know what the religious voice says? Well, who do you think you are? How selfish to always be asking God to do things for you and how selfish to expect God to be like your jukebox up in heaven where you, and that's how religious people talk. They, they say that, that foolish stuff, you know, it's like, oh, you think you're going to pray and God's going to be, you're just going to push a couple buttons in prayer and God's going to give you whatever. Read the Bible. That's what the Bible teaches us is that he loves us and wants to bless us. God wants to answer my prayers. He wants to. Do you think that I'm resentful knowing that Christmas is around the corner and that I have to buy my children presents? Do you think I'm resentful for wanting to get gifts for my kids? No, I don't resent that. I'm not mad. I get excited to do it. I want to do it. I get happy when I watch them open their presence. And me, as an earthly father, I get excited. I get happy. I want to see them open those gifts and get what they want for Christmas. And I'm an earthly father. Imagine your heavenly father. He wants to answer your prayers. He wants to bless you. He wants to lift you up. He wants to help you. And until we catch that in our spirits and in our hearts, we'll miss out on these blessings because we won't approach him like we should. So I want to cover these five and show you this quickly. And the first is Jeremiah chapter one. And um, listen to this. The Bible says in Jeremiah 1 12, then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. You have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. God is constantly watching over his word. You know, Isaiah 55 tells us that when his word goes forth, it always accomplishes what he sends it to do. And it never returns empty or void. It prospers in the thing whereunto he sent it. So God's word, when it goes out, has to perform. It cannot not perform. And so when we pray and we send the word out in prayer, then understand something. He performs the word that's gone out. He manifests the word that's gone out. Hey, Brady, I love you, buddy. So so let me say it this way. Put it in the comments. Number one, the number one area that we've got to always keep in our minds in prayer is that our prayers need to be based on the word of God. That's number one. That is so important. Our prayers must be based on the word of God. That's number one. They must be based. That's what, see, because if not, how can God answer a prayer 
that either is uh, contradicting his word or is not promised in his word. He can't. If it's not something he ever promised you, why would he give it to you? If it's not in your covenant, why would you ever get it? We must base our prayers on his word because of the fact, how could he answer a prayer that contradicts what he said? He won't do that. And then he's not required to answer a prayer that's not provide something that's not provided in the promises or in the covenant. So God will never contradict himself. Let me just say this prayer will never cancel out the word of God. <laughs> that's, I guess that could be seen and should be, should be seen. Uh, prayer can never cancel out the word of God. You can pray things, but you'll never change God's mind about what he said. Amen. And so you can't pray them away. You can't pray scriptures away. They're true and they're eternal. Here's what I see happen often is that you have people who, and and here's the other thing too. It's not just that they don't pray uh, the word of God or pray something outside of the word. Sometimes people pray, but don't, they don't stand on the word in their prayers. You know, we put him in remembrance of his words. We put him in remembrance of his words, not because he's forgotten them. He wants to know that we know them. So what do we do? We put him in remembrance of his words. We quote the word, I quote the word back to God. Lord, you said in your word, you said in your word, my prayer carries that much more weight when I'm backing it up like an attorney in a court case with the proof or evidence of God's word, the proof or the evidence of God's word. You said, Lord, in your word that I was healed by your stripes, the stripes you took upon your back. You said in your word that if I would live uprightly, that there would be not one good thing that would be withheld from my life. You said that if I would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these other things would just be added unto me. You said in your word. So see what I mean? We're putting him in remembrance. Not that he's forgotten it, but we're standing on it. We're putting that pressure on the word of God. And that's how it works. And there's many people that because they may not know the word of God, they don't ever utilize it in prayer. And this is the reason that when we gave you the prayer points that are available for free in our app, the reason that when we gave them to you, we give them to you with the scripture verses and references included with each prayer point. Why? Because we want you to not only have something to base your prayers or say or uh, focus on, we want you to know that the Bible actually says it and teaches it and allows us to have the uh, foundation to stand for it. We're not just randomly praying. We're praying what God's word says. And that's what I want you to see is that when we, and that's why, I mean, that's a resource and a half to get your hands on 100 prayer points to kickstart your prayer time. And if you don't have that, uh, get it in the app. It's in our app. 
I don't know if we have a lower third for that, but the app is available in the App Store for Apple. It's in the Google Play Store for Android users. And I'm telling you, if you just you know search Miracle Word, if you don't have it already, that's where we have our free digital radio station where you can listen to preaching and teaching 24 hours a day. Uh, inside, there's a button that says prayer points, and we give you access to a PDF of over 100, I believe it's 100 exactly, prayer points uh, with the references. Why? We're teaching people that when you pray, pray the word of God. Because why? Jeremiah tells us why. He's watching over his word to perform it. God is watching over his word to perform it. Jesus is speaking in John chapter 15, verse number seven. And he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. See the difference there? Not just abide in him, but his words have to abide in you. Then what? You can ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. You know, there's so much depth in just that verse that when I was in Bible school, I had for the course on prayer, uh, Brother Hagen actually taught that course personally. And for those of you who don't know who he is, you can look him up, Kenneth Hagen. Uh, he was the head of the Bible school. He started the Bible school. And um, mighty man of God. And he, for an entire semester, taught us on the, the, the subject of prayer. And every day, I thought, man, I thought there's no way he's going to really do this. Every day when he would come in to start the class, he'd say, open up your Bibles to the gospel of John chapter 15 and verse number seven. That's our text for this course. And I thought, well, obviously he's just maybe going to use that for today or maybe at the most for this week or whatever. He stayed in John 15, seven for the entire semester. Never left it. We started there every single day because there's so much to it. It's, it's a huge resource. And he began to teach us, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask for whatever you will and it shall be done unto you. It's not just one thing, it's two. When you abide in Christ, you're a Christian. But then not every Christian has his word abiding in them. Not every Christian knows the word of God. You've got to be one of them. If you're part of the victory tribe, which you are, you're believing God for increase. You're believing to run like you've never run in 2021. It's going to have to be the word of God in you that's coming out of you on a daily basis by confession, by prayer, by belief. We believe it. Therefore, we speak it. That's what the apostles said. We believe it, therefore, we speak it. We speak what we believe. We pray what we believe. So how do we define what we believe? By the word that's in us. And we know that the Bible, the psalmist wrote, Psalm 138, verse 2, he said that the Lord had magnified or exalted his word above his name. He's magnified his word above his name. It's the highest force there is. So when we're ready to pray, we pray according to God's word. And that's what, we're, that's what we start. I want to start there because if we don't do that one thing, the whole foundation and basis of our prayer, meaningless. It's meaningless. Everything else doesn't matter. And so we start there. 
We start there. We pray the word of God. Number two, the second thing I want to deal with is this. As we pray it, see, because we're dealing with the word of God, as we pray it, we do not doubt it. That's number two. Pray with no doubt. Pray with no doubt. Pray the word and pray with no doubt. Doubt is a killer of prayer. It's a prayer killer. And Jesus taught against it many, 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 many times. In fact, it's the only thing, if you read through the life of Jesus and the, the miracles and ministry of Jesus, it's the only element that stopped Jesus from moving. Does that blow your mind? Doubt is the only element ever that stopped Jesus from moving. <laughs> that should be a sign to you right there. You can see it in Mark chapter six, goes back to Nazareth, his hometown, and he's expecting to do many mighty miracles in that town. He's expecting to go back, preach, teach, and then perform signs and wonders. But the Bible tells us in Mark chapter six, that he could do no mighty work there except for laying his hands on a few sick people and healing them. And then what does the Bible say, say that he did? And he marveled. He was blown away by what? Their unbelief, their doubt. He was blown away by their unbelief. Do you see that? It's the only element in the New Testament that stopped Jesus from moving. It's a danger. And that's why he taught. And of course, you want to go there with me. In Mark chapter 11, he taught about prayer and the power of prayer. But notice what he said to his disciples when teaching on this subject of answered prayer. Verse 23, Mark eleven twenty-three. 23, he said, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. See that? Does not doubt in his heart. Does not doubt in his heart. But believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received. Not that you will, that you have. Here's a question. I want you to write the answer in the comments section. Here's the question. When do we believe we receive what we pray for? When do we believe we receive what we pray for? Write it in the comments, the answer. What do you think? When should a believer believe they received? Waiting for some comments to come up. That's it. Yaniel, Linan, now, when we ask, when we pray, Jeanette said it, Janine said it, Eric, when we pray, that's right, when we pray, Christina, before we see it, when we pray, as soon as we pray, Kelly said, that's exactly right. You're all on the exact right page. Every one of us, that's what faith does, we believe that we receive when we pray, not when we get it. Because here's the, here's the problem. Anybody can believe they receive something 
after they get it. It's not going to be like sitting there in your hand like, I can't believe this. I can't. I don't believe I have that. I don't believe. No, anybody, even a sinner can believe they receive after they receive. What does a Christian do? Someone with the eyes of faith. We believe we receive when we pray. We call it done. We call it done. That's what faith does. Faith. It calls it done. Even though we can't see it in the natural realm, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter at all. What matters is God's word says it's ours. We prayed it and now we believe we receive. I believe in Jesus said it. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Don't doubt. Number two is what we're dealing with right now. It's not just praying the word of God. It's believe what you pray. Don't doubt. Don't doubt. In fact, let me read to you what the Bible says in the book of James. And of course, we go here often because this is probably one of the most dangerous things that a believer can do, especially in prayer. Listen to it now. James chapter one, verses six through eight. Anybody that's asking God for anything, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. That person must not suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. You see that? Good morning, Jason and Tanya. Love you. Unless that is Tanya. Might just be Tanya using Jason's account without his permission. Um, <laughs> good morning to you. You see that a double-minded man, unstable. What causes you to not receive anything from the Lord? Doubt and unbelief. According to James, that's the Holy Spirit inspiring that verse that if we doubt, if we don't believe what takes place, then we are out of position to ever receive anything from the Lord. Amen. And so I want you to see that today is that we have to make sure that we're not just praying scripture, but we're praying with no doubt. How do we ensure that we get doubt out of ourselves? How do you drive? Here's a little side, uh, a side message on top of the message today. How do I drive doubt out of myself? How do I get it out of myself? You build your faith. How do you build your faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see that? That's how you drive doubt out of yourself. And because I know that this is one of the most dangerous things, in fact, it's probably the most dangerous thing that can happen to a believer, doubt and unbelief. I have worked, Carolyn has worked, the team has worked, as I said yesterday, to make every avenue available for those of you that are connected to us to drive doubt and unbelief out of your house, out of your heart, out of your mind, we preach and teach the word constantly, constantly. We have CDs, which are about to go completely out. Cars don't even have CD players in them anymore. Uh, we have MP3s. We have uh, streaming radio. We have Miracle Word University. We do these broadcasts every day. I mean, I think of it this way. You know, as a, as a traveling minister, I'm preaching almost every night 
it would be easy to come home and be like, well, I've done my duty. I've been out preaching. All you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go on live and do these broadcasts. But something in me will not allow me to not do them because there's a driving force, I believe, from the Holy Spirit to continue to preach and teach faith on a daily basis because many of you are being changed. I get your testimonies. I get your testimonies. I got one that came in. Let me read it to you. <clears throat> I got one that came in today. Listen to this. It says, good morning. Wanted to share a testimony with you uh, from the word you gave us in August. Uh, in addition to financial blessings and debt forgiveness, we've seen and been increased to me personally in ministry. I've, I've become now a minister through uh, the River Ministries International. I've started a podcast, designed and released my ministry website. Uh, it's been the most significant, blessed year of our lives. We believe the start was when we began partnering with Miracle Word. Can't wait to see what God's going to do before the year ends. We're getting all kinds of testimonies like that. Uh, people who, like, what, what have we been confessing all year? Violent increase expedited favor. Do you know how many people are writing in and saying, this has been the most impactful year we've ever had. This has been the most blessed year we've ever had. Well, how does it come? Comes by faith. Comes by faith. See the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit had not given us that word, that this was our year of violent increase and expedited favor, we couldn't have spoken that word. And if we didn't speak it, if we didn't teach on it, if we didn't declare it, then many people would not have grabbed a hold of it and began to speak it themselves, believe it themselves, act on it themselves. And then what happens? Their increase comes. Their blessing comes. See what I mean? And so I'm just telling you that these, what we're, we're, we're doing all of this. It's not arbitrary. It's not because I have something. It's not because I don't get to preach enough and I, I need to get an outlet to say more stuff. I'm talking nonstop. I don't need to talk anymore to, to get that. I, I'm telling you, we do this because I know that the thing that keeps people from receiving is doubt and unbelief. So what do we do? Attack it. We attack doubt and unbelief. Do you know that's exactly what Jesus did when he saw it? There's Montanique. Love you. So good to see you on. Look at this. Jesus attacked it. When I told you he went back to his hometown and couldn't do any mighty works there except for laying his hands on a few sick people and he marveled at their unbelief. Then look at the next thing he did. Marveled at their unbelief, verse 6. This is Mark 6, 6. He marveled because of their unbelief. So what did he do? And he went about among the villages teaching. What did he do? Taught, taught, taught taught. My dad uh, preaches a message entitled the cure for unbelief, the cure for unbelief. What's the cure? Preaching and teaching. Preaching and teaching are the cure for unbelief. Put it in the comments. Preaching and teaching are the cure for unbelief. Praise God. Jolene says, the, the parasite that was in my stomach is gone. I'm healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Put it in the comments. Teaching and preaching are the cure for unbelief. Why is that the, the key or the case? Because of Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so... The cure for unbelief is preaching and teaching. 
That's why Jesus, as soon as he encountered their unbelief, what did he do? He started traveling to all their synagogues, preaching and teaching. He knew. That's why he did it. And if we're going to have answered prayer, we have to get doubt and unbelief out of our lives for good. Get it out for good. I like what Smith Wigglesworth said. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I mean, I'm telling you, I don't take external input and put it on the same level as God's word. You can't do that and succeed. You can't put what a doctor said on the same level as what God said. You can't put what a lawyer said or what the government said or what a corporation said, what the economy says on the same level as what God says and expect to be victorious. It does not work. <laughs> you have to, you have to put God's word on a level all by itself and say, I don't care what it looks like in the natural realm. I don't care what my doctor said, my lawyer said, the government said, a corporation said, the economy says, the news is saying, I don't care. If it contradicts the word of God, the word is true and everything else is a lie. Everything else is a lie. And that's why Smith Wigglesworth said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. That's it. That's it. It's the done deal. And so Jesus knew that, and so he continued to preach and teach the mighty word of God. So number one, we have to pray God's word. Number two, we have to remove doubt and unbelief. Let me give you number three. I'm going to give you five. Number three, you've got to pray with boldness. That's number three. I must pray with boldness. See, if you don't, and here's, here's really where a lot of Christians are, and the devil's a master at making them feel this way. A lot of Christians allow themselves to be shamed in to not asking God for things. <clears throat> and the devil will remind them of their past or remind them of who they were or whatever it might be. Make them feel guilty for even asking God for anything. Make them feel, well, I... I couldn't have, do you know, and, and if it's not because of your past and if it's not because of things you've done in your life, you know what the devil will do? This is so devious. He will make you believe that you shouldn't ask God for things because there are people who have greater needs than you have. What a stupid excuse to not ask God for what you need. Well, you know, and I've had people say that and I'm not, I'm not calling those people stupid. I'm saying it's a dumb thought process. The devil uses. Imagine saying that I've had people say it to me. Well, I said, what do you want me to uh, pray for you? Well, brother, I, I don't know. You don't, I don't, I don't want you to pray for me. There's others that have uh, needs that are far greater, far greater than mine. So what do you think? God doesn't have the ability to answer your prayers because he's busy answering other people's prayers. I mean, people actually think that, that God can't answer their prayers because he's too busy answering other people's prayers. And God's eternal. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's omnipresent. So explain to me how God can't do what AT&T can do. 
How can AT&T route billions of calls a day? How can AT&T route billions of text messages a day? And they get everywhere they're supposed to get. People get their calls, people get their text messages, but God can't answer your prayers because he's busy with someone else's prayer. It doesn't work that way. It's a lie to get you to believe that you shouldn't ask God for anything because there's other people who have greater needs. He'll meet their needs and your needs. He'll answer their prayers and your prayers at the same time. He doesn't need help. God, you, think he got, you think God needs an assistant? Do you think God needs a, a, a planner so he can write down what he was supposed to do today? Oh, I forgot to do that. I got so busy answering her prayers, I didn't answer. God doesn't need an assistant. God doesn't need a planner. God doesn't need help. He's the all-sufficient one. He can answer your prayers and meet your needs while simultaneously meeting the needs of millions around the world because that's how great he is. And the devil is a liar and will try to get you to believe that you shouldn't ask God for things because there are others who need it more. Listen to me, and I want you to do me a favor when you write this. Write this in the comments in all capital letters like an angry texter who has no self-control. Put it in the comments section, all capital letters. God does not have a limited supply. Put that in the comments, all caps, because I want to shout it in this broadcast today. God does not have a limited supply. Who do we think he is? Who do we think he is? He doesn't have a limited supply. He's the unlimited God. He's the all-sufficient one. He's El Shaddai. He's the many-breasted one. He's got everything you need and more. God does not have a limited supply. Heaven's not going to run out. Heaven's not on welfare. Heaven is not in a famine. Heaven isn't in a drought. God doesn't have limited supply. Doesn't have a limited supply. So don't let the devil allow you to think that because others have needs that you shouldn't petition God for your needs. Of course you should, and of course he can. Of course he can. He's the all-sufficient one. He's El Shaddai. And so either one of those two things, if they're stealing your boldness, don't let them. Well, the devil starts bringing up your past. He starts bringing up your sins. He starts bringing up who you used to be. Who, who do you think you are asking God to bless you? I can't, nope, nope. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I want you to turn to Hebrews 4 because here is the uh, prescription as to how we are to approach God. We pray, we pray based on his word, pray with no doubt, but now we're talking about praying with boldness. He doesn't have a limited supply. Look at this now. Hebrews chapter 4. And I want to read you verse 16. Let us then with boldness draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace 
to help in the time of need. How do we draw near to the throne? With boldness. I draw near boldly. Why? Because I am his child. I am his child. I am one with Jesus Christ. Do you think God would reject Jesus' request? No. And in the same way, because we're one with Christ, he will not reject our requests. So we can approach him boldly. Can, can you, I mean, I can't imagine, I keep bringing back to, to my children and me as a father, but I cannot imagine a, a, my child coming to me and having to feel timid asking me if they can have dinner tonight. Dad, do you, you think I could, you think I could actually have dinner tonight? Would you allow me to have dinner? Can I eat? Can I eat my dinner tonight? Would that be okay? Can I, I can't imagine a ch- my, one of my children having to be timid, not knowing whether or not it'd be okay if I could, if they could have dinner, if they could eat. Dad, do you think that I could sleep under the roof tonight? <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine one of my children having to timidly ask me as if they don't know what's theirs as my child in covenant with me. And the same way, many people are timid approaching because they don't know. They, they don't understand their position in Christ. I have a right to ask him. I'm his child. I'm in covenant with him. The blood of Jesus has given me access to the throne of God. The blood of Jesus has given me access to the mighty throne of God. And I can boldly approach, make my petitions, make my requests known because he has given me the access. He's made me his child. You know what's so powerful? Paul taught about the spirit of adoption. Book of Romans, he teaches on it to let them know, hey, you're Italians. I'm writing to an Italian church. You weren't born as Jews, but it doesn't matter that you weren't born as natural Jews because now by the spirit of adoption, you've been brought into the family of God. Hallelujah. And I'm telling those of you watching today that it doesn't matter how you were born, where you were born, you have by the spirit of adoption come into the family of God. You are in the covenant and by the blood of Jesus, you've got the right to petition God for the things you're believing for. Don't let the devil make you feel insignificant or insufficient. No, you have the right. I want you to just write in the comments, I have a right. I have a right in Jesus' name. And so, how do we approach? Boldly. Boldly. Number one, pray the word. Number two, get doubt out. And number three, pray with boldness. Let me give you number four. Just don't pray with boldness. Let me give you this one, which is extremely important. Keep yourself humble. Keep a humble spirit. This is so vitally important. Keep a humble spirit. That's number four. One of the things, and I was writing about this yesterday in this book that's coming out on fasting very soon. I was writing about uh, the difference between pride and humility, why pride is so dangerous and why humility is so powerful. But I want you to uh, understand this. We must keep a humble spirit as we pray and in our life every day. 
Because humility or meekness, it is the key to greatness. Did you know that? Humility or meekness is the key to greatness. And I want to show you something in um, James chapter 4. And in fact, you know where I'm going to go? I'm going to go to 1 Peter 5. Because they're both quoting the same Old Testament scripture. But let, let me say, let me say how, how 1 Peter 5, 5 says it. Because it actually says something that I want you to see first. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Now look at this. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Why? For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble, or favor. God opposes the proud, but gives grace, or favor, to the humble. Let me just say something to you. You don't want God as your opponent. That's the, that's the last thing you want, God, as your opponent. He opposes, he actively opposes the proud and gives more grace or favor to the humble. Listen to the way, the way that James says it, James 4, 6. But he gives more grace or favor. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. It's quoting from Proverbs chapter 3 in the Greek. But I want you to see this, the Septuagint version. I want you to catch this. He opposes the proud. So when you allow pride to govern your life, you make yourself an opponent of God. See, here's where we could actually quote what Paul said in Romans chapter 8. The Bible says, if God be for you, tell me who can be against you. But you know, the opposite of that is also true if you go stand on the enemy's side. If God is against you, tell me who can be for you. <laughs> nobody's the answer. The answer is no one can be for you. If God's against you, nobody can be for you. And what puts God against you? Pride. What makes God stand with you or for you? Meekness and humility. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 5, as Jesus was teaching the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are they, or blessed are the meek. For why? They shall inherit the earth. Meekness is the key to inheritance. Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. So we have to get pride out and allow ourselves to become humble. We keep ourselves in a place of humility. If we'll humble ourselves, oh, hallelujah. Let me, you know what? I love that. Let me get into that for a second. I love this. After I read that to you, he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, gives more grace um, to the humble. So submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Huh. You see that? How do you submit yourself to God? In humility. The devil doesn't flee from everybody. He flees from those who submit themselves to God and resist the devil. We do that by humbling ourselves. Amen. 
And then let me give you number five, because this one is big. This one is big. So number one, pray according to the word. No, that's James chapter four, verses six and seven, Sean. Sean or Shauna, whoever's watching. We pray according to the word. We pray without doubting. We pray with boldness. We pray with humility. And then let me give you number five. We've got to pray specific prayers. <laughs> pray specifically. You know, one of the most frustrating things that I face sometimes as a minister when I'm praying for people is when people have zero idea what they want from the Lord. That is a problem because you cannot, you cannot receive what you're not believing for. You can't receive, in fact, you can put that in the comments. I can't, I can't receive what I'm not believing for. I cannot receive what I'm not believing for. Your prayers, don't make them general. Don't make general requests. Make specific requests. Exactly. Maggie Erdy on YouTube says, or unspoken prayers or unspoken requests. There's no such thing as an unspoken request. You know, you hear that growing up in religious church. Well, so-and-so has an unspoken request. So-and-so also has an unspoken request. I've told you this story before, but when I was in high school, we used to start our day with prayer in Mr. Gripper's science room uh, because Mr. Gripper, who was a science teacher at my high school, was one of the elders at our church. And uh, he allowed his classroom before first bell to be used as a prayer room. So we'd go in there and we'd pray. And um, there, were all, there were these three sisters that would come in. And you could tell they came from religious church, religious church. They'd wear, and no, I'm not ragging on this. It's just like you could tell because they would come to high school in their church clothes. Like literally they had their dresses from church on everything in high school. And uh, so they'd be in there and literally every morning, these three sisters, when we'd go around, we'd be in a circle holding hands, getting ready to pray. And every morning these sisters would be like, yes, I have. And they'd count them up like in front of everybody. They'd be like, yes, I have three, no, wait a minute, four, no, five. I have five unspoken prayer requests. And I'd be like exasperated. And then the next sister would go, I have six, no, wait, I have five. And they'd count them up live. And I'd be sitting there like having to wait for these. It's like, how in the world, and you're just knowing, even as a teenager, I understood how to pray. And then you sit there and think to yourself, how in the world am I supposed to pray for any of these prayers when we don't even know what we're praying for. Because, listen, when you understand the things we've been teaching today and how prayer actually functions, first of all, if you've got an unspoken prayer request, how do I use the Word of God to pray for that? How do I use the Word of God? What scriptures do I pull out to stand on? I could, I could choose some. But what if it's not what you're believing for? Yeah. Well, exactly. How can there even be agreement? As Rose is saying, first of all, I cannot stand on any scripture 
for a prayer request that's unspoken. And then secondly, how can we, you know, the Bible says one puts a thousand to flight, two puts 10,000 that, uh, if any two or three agree touching anything, it shall be done for them by my father, which is in heaven. How can we agree? There can't be agreement on something. I don't even know what we're talking about. I don't even know what I know we're talking about. I don't know. How can I agree with you? There's no pair of agreement there and there's no standing on the word there. If you're too ashamed to say what you're believing for, you're too ashamed to get an answer. That's, that's rough, (laughs) but write it in the comments. If I'm too ashamed to make the petition, I'm too ashamed to receive an answer. See humility. Only thing that would be there for, for that is pride. The only thing that would create an unspoken prayer request is pride. Well, I don't, I don't want anybody to know what I'm believing. That's pride. If you've got brothers and sisters that are standing around you that want to stand with you in agreement and pray with you and for you, I don't mean go tell your business to everybody that's out there. But if you've got real loving people that are standing with you to pray and believe God, especially a man of God, if you're approaching a man of God, even in a church service, and he says, what are we believing for? How can I pray for you? Well, it's unspoken. Well, what do you think? He's going to go jump on his phone and start gossiping your problem to everybody? If he does, he's not a true man of God. But if you can't even trust your pastor, well, it's unspoken, pastor. If you could just, God knows what I, how can I pray for you? How can I stand on the word? How can we be in agreement? It, it can't. And that's pride. Pride doesn't want people to know. I just don't want you to know what it is. Humility says, I need help. Humility says, this is what I'm believing for. Oh, no, no, this is different. Montanique is saying, is this different than when a person had a desire that was not prayed for, but God gave them an unspoken thing? First, I've said, I never asked God for it, but he blessed me with it anyway. Yes, this is totally different. This is when people stand up in a service or come to you for prayer and say, this is my prayer request, but it's unspoken. I don't want to say what it is. Well, the reason you don't want to say what it is because you're embarrassed and that's pride. We're to make, and that's why I want to take you here to Philippians chapter four. This is the verse of scripture that negates unspoken prayer requests. If you're too ashamed to make the petition, then you're too ashamed to get the answer. It's exactly right. Listen to Philippians chapter four and verse uh, six. Do not be anxious about anything, including your prayer requests, by the way. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known, be made known unto God. Let your requests be made known unto God. Now, if you want to be a, a stickler and say, well, see, brother, that doesn't say to make our requests known to one another. It says make them be known to God. Well, then just pray for your own requests then and don't ask people to pray for you. Because if that's, what, if that's how you want to think about it, then why are you asking other people for prayer? They can't pray. That's the point I'm making. I can't successfully pray if I don't know what I'm praying for. Because I can't use the word of God, which is the most powerful element in prayer. Let me, let me make this, let me make this very plain. The most powerful element in prayer is not my prayer. It's the word of God, right? I mean, let's just establish that right now. The most powerful element in prayer is not my prayer. 
It's God's word. It's God's word. He confirms what? His word with signs following. He's watching over what? His word to perform it. It's not my prayers that go out and come back. They never come back empty or return to me void. No, it's his word that goes out and never returns empty or void. Amen. So it's not the most powerful element in prayer is not what I say. It's his word. If I don't speak his word, then my words mean nothing. My words mean nothing. His word doesn't return void. He's watching over his word. He, uh, he, uh, uh, manifests or backs up his word, confirms his word, if you will, with signs following. Amen. That's my most important element in prayer. It's my most powerful element in prayer is the word of God. If you're not using this in prayer, then you are uh, wasting time. You're wasting time because God doesn't want to just hear uh, nice things said and doesn't want to just hear religious phrases strung together. He wants to know you believe his word. That's the key. That's the key. And so, uh, it's exactly right. Um, that's a great point. Mike Frost said, the longest time I thought I had to remember God's word and pray it from memory, and I'd always draw blanks. And when I dropped my pride, wrote his promises down, and started repeating them, things started changing in my life. That's right. When you sit down to pray, take your Bible with you. If you sit down to pray, have your Bible right in front of you. God doesn't mind if you take a moment to turn to the passage you need to turn to and say, Lord, I, here's what it says right here in your word. He honors that word. He honors that word. It's the most, make your requests known unto God. Don't just say, oh Lord, give me a job. (laughs) That's not a prayer. What kind of job do you want? Oh Lord, just give me a husband. Oh really? Any husband will do? A drunk that beats you, but he's got a ring on your finger? A guy that's unemployed that has no responsibility? Any guy will do, just Lord, give me a husband. Or are you going to be like my sister in the comments section here on, on YouTube that's believing for a, a Latin American <laughs> athlete body? That's specific prayer. <laughs> Put it up again just by faith what it is you're believing for. We understand? It's specific. Oh, Lord, give me a car. What kind of car? Oh, Lord, give me a job. What kind of job? You want to just do anything? You want to just do anything? Or do you have something specific you're believing for? Amen. (laughs) Be clear. Be specific. You don't want to just say something. And say, well, I didn't mean that. You know, there was a... (laughs) There's been so many examples of this. It just, it makes me laugh because... In reality, people think they're being humble, but they're not. They're just being irresponsible. (laughs) Amen. You don't go to a restaurant with a craving and sit down at the table and say, (laughs) Deborah said, a hot, rich Latino. There you go. That's specific. (laughs) You you know, Deborah, you may want to add on to that. A hot, rich, Christian, Holy Ghost-filled Latino. (laughs) So that he's not just hot and rich and then leaves you high and dry. Um, But understand something. You don't go to a restaurant and then just plop yourself down. You've got a craving. And then when the waitress comes, 
What would you like for dinner? Anything you've got. I don't know about you. I don't like everything on the menu. (laughs) I don't like everything on the menu. So I'm not going to sit down and say, just bring me whatever you got. I have a craving for something. I want something specific. There's something on the menu that I want. And you know what I do? I make it known. I, I, I may try this just as a ha- to have it as a sermon illustration. Can you imagine? Maybe I'll do this soon. Going to a restaurant and when the waitress says, are we ready to order? Uh, okay, sir, what would you like? Your last up on the table. Um, actually, my dinner is unspoken. I have an unspoken request. <laughs> like, what? She's going to look at me like I'm insane. What does that even mean? It's just unspoken. I don't, I don't really want to let you know uh, what it is that I want for dinner. I just, uh, you know, he knows. He knows, amen, what I need. <laughs> Tiffany, how embarrassed would you be if I did that for him? He knows what I need. He knows what I need. Uh, no, that's insane. That's insane. We're not going to go to a restaurant, and then when they come to ask us what we want to eat, it's unspoken. Amen. He knows. He knows. I just, I'm just believing that whatever you bring out is going to be what I need. Amen. No. You make your requests known. Hallelujah. You don't go to the car dealership with your checkbook and say, you know what? Uh, I'd like a vehicle, but just, you know, well, what, are you, what kind of vehicle are you looking for? Just, you know, whatever you have. I, he knows what I need. Amen. I'm just, it's an unspoken car that I'm believing. It's like, come on. In in all seriousness, we don't do that in any other area of life. Why would we do it in prayer? Why would we do it in prayer? (laughs) Make make your requests known unto God. You've got to be specific. Well, that means that you know what you want. And if you know what you want, guess what you also know? What scriptures in the Bible back it up? And what scriptures you're standing on. So that when you are, I mean, you wouldn't do that in times of crisis, would you? I hope not. You know, what if there was, an, there was a time where like you or a family member was attacked with a serious illness or disease. And then you went, are you going to go pray for that person? Maybe you've got a loved one in the hospital with cancer. Are you going to go pray for that person and say, now, Lord, we're just going to pray. You know, whatever it is that you want to do in this situation. You know, maybe you want to kill them and take them home to heaven. If that's your desire, kill them today, Lord, and take them home. Maybe you want to heal them. If that's your desire, Lord, just go ahead and do that. Maybe you don't want to kill them, but you want them to stay alive and continue to suffer. Lord, if that's your desire, you know, whatever it is you want, Lord. I don't, you know, for me, I'm just saying, God, whatever you, you know what's best. No, no, absolutely not. You're not going to do that. You're going to know what God's word says about healing. And then you're going to stand on that. And you're going to believe God specifically for what he said that he would do. You make your requests known unto God. And so that's the key. I want you to see these five today before I pray for you. Because 2021, I'm believing as we run, it's going to be a year of answered prayer. It's going to be a year of supernaturally answered prayer. Then we're going to see prayers answered like this quickly, not long, not by the end of the year, not by December. I'm talking about, uh, as we're, before we call, he answers us. 
I'm asking God to let 2021 be a year of expedited answers to prayer. Expedited, quick answers, quick answers, quick answers. We're running. If we're running, we need our answers quickly because we've got momentum building here. If we're going to make an impact quickly, we need answers quickly because we're running. We've got things to do for the kingdom. We can't be waiting four months for something to come to pass. We need quick answers to prayers as we're accomplishing God's will and purpose in our lives. And so this is what, this is what we need to do. Jolene, Jolene uh, Whitaker says she's sewing a thousand. Can you put the cash up information up? She wants to know. There it is. Thank you, Jolene. Uh, it's MW Give. Thank you for sowing a seed. If we're going into 2021 running, hear what I'm saying to you today. We need quick answers to prayer, not long, drawn out answers. I don't want to wait till the end of the year. If I'm praying, if we're moving, we're going to have what God said we're going to have. We're going to have what he said we're going to have. Amen. And that's the key. And so we're going to pray in a moment, but I wanted you to hear this today. And of course, if you're uh, just joining us, you can always go back through and listen to all five, but listen to me. God wants to answer your prayers. He has plans to bless you, but we've got to approach him the Bible way, the proper way. And that is by number one, praying the word of God. Number two, praying with no doubt. Number three, praying with boldness. Number four, praying with humility. And number five, praying specifically. Thank you, Billion. That's exactly right. Pray based on the word. Pray with no doubt. Pray with boldness. Pray with humility. Pray specifically. And God's going to do it. And we're going to hold our answers in our hands in Jesus' name. I know there's plenty of people watching me right now that you've got many requests out to God. You've got prayer requests you're believing for. Here's my prayer, that God would quickly turn every prayer request into a praise report in Jesus' mighty name. So let me pray for you. Father, today we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you that your word declares that if we will ask, we shall receive. If we seek, we will find. If we knock, the doors will be opened unto us. And you said, ask that we, we shall receive, that our joy may be full. So today I'm asking you, Lord, for those that are watching or listening, that have prayer requests that are out to you, I pray that you'd quickly answer their prayers in Jesus' name. Lord, turn every prayer request into a praise report in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Lord, let this final month of the year be a month of answered prayers for your precious people in Jesus' name. Lord, if their family members need to be saved, let this be the month of salvation. If they're believing for healing in their body or for a family member, let healing quickly come in Jesus' mighty name. Just like that testimony, Lord, that we saw today, that the healing quickly came into her body. I thank you, Lord, that if they're believing you for deliverance in the mind, that peace and joy would quickly come. Depression and anxiety would run out the back door. Lord, whatever it is they're believing for, let this be a month of answered prayers. As we gather up our garments for 2021, we're going to run like we never have by your spirit. But let this be a time of answered prayer. Open the windows of heaven over their homes in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, Lord, that every prayer, give us a new boldness. That's what we ask you. Give us a new boldness. Let us walk in a new humility to ask you and petition you for what we're believing for with no doubt in our hearts. 
And we thank you, Lord, for it. We give you praise and glory for what you're about to do. In Jesus' mighty name, if you believe that, somebody throw some fire up, some emoji hands, whatever you got. In the comments section, shout amen wherever you are. Give God praise for what he's doing already in your life behind the scenes. And I'm just going to tell you right now, expect quick answers to prayer in Jesus' mighty name. If you enjoyed this teaching and you'd like to have even more teaching on the subject of answered prayer, did you know that we have an entire course in Miracle Word University that's dedicated to the subject of answered prayer? Over five hours of teaching for only $69 on the subject of answered prayer. The best deal that you could possibly do at this point is the five-course bundle for $249. You get all five courses, almost 40 hours of teaching uh, for 28% off $249 at MiracleWordU.com. And uh, it will bless you. But that red course you see in the middle is the course on answered prayer And uh, you need to grab it. I want to encourage you to grab it. Today, we're going to encourage you to sow a seed by faith. Many of you watching, some have already sown. And uh, I'm not sure if it's pronounced Jolene or Jolene, but I don't want to mispronounce it. But thank you for sowing that seed of $1,000 and standing with us today. There's others that are watching that the Lord has spoken to you to sow largely uh, before this year comes to an end. And you've got uh, an expectation for a massive harvest in 2021. Initiate it ahead of time by sowing that seed by faith. And it's easy to do. You can go to miracleword.com and on the give page, there's every option to give that you can have. Uh, Cash app, Venmo, PayPal. If you're on Facebook or you're on Twitter or Periscope, um, you can use the hashtag donate command in the comments to sow a seed without ever leaving the broadcast. Uh, But here's what I'm asking you to do. Consider and pray about Joe Lynn. Okay, that's awesome. We love you too and thank you uh, for standing with us and believing God for increase. Um, Here's what I want to encourage those of you that are watching. Ask the Lord what it is that you could do on a monthly basis, every month. Is it $50? Is it $85? Is it $100? We have some that are giving $250, $500, $750, a $1,000 a month. What is it that you could do? Believing God for increase in your life, ministry, business. And then set up a monthly seed. Become a partner with this ministry. As we're getting ready to touch the world. I'm so excited about this. In this month of December, I've got so much work to do. I'm finishing this book. I'm now filming Uh, For television this month, which in the new year, we're going on television in over 180 nations of the world. Supernatural. God's doing it. And so he opened the doors. We're going to see souls saved. We're going to disciple them virtually all over the world. It's awesome. I'm very, very excited. But you're a part of that. Ask yourself, what could I do by faith to stand with this ministry, with Ted and Carolyn, as they're going around the world? And then do it. Do whatever the Lord tells you to do. We love you so much and appreciate you standing with us. Don't forget, brand new Bible reading mission for the kids in the month of December. We are going through the gospel of Luke during this Christmas season, going over the Christmas story. You can go to miraclewordkids.com and uh, accept the Bible reading mission uh, there. It's all free. There's activities. There's crafts. There's, in, uh, I don't know what you, how you would, what you would call that. It's not engagement pages. 
interactivity. What are those things? Activity pages. There we go. I don't know why I had a little stall there. Engagement pages. Get into those engagement pages. And then, of course, uh, if, you, if you didn't know, <laughs> we have Christmas boxes for the kids. And there's only two or three left. So it's going to be the first people that get on the website to grab them because we're not going to do any more. So shop.miracleword.com. Uh, I think there's two or three left total. And you get a kid's Bible, pink or blue, for ages 5 to 10. You get a tumbler cup with our logo and slogan on it, purple or green color. You get a slap bracelet, crafts, candies, toys, more. I'm interested to know what the more is. I can promise you it's not anthrax. Um, but Merry Christmas to the kids. It comes wrapped. You can put it under the tree uh, for the children. And if you'd like to be one of the ones that gets the final two or three, uh, go right now to shop.miracleword.com. Pick it up before they're gone because they are going to be gone today, I'm sure. We love you guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. Appreciate it very much. Uh, if you've not yet subscribed to two things, number one, our podcast, it's available on all podcast platforms everywhere. If you've not subscribed to the podcast, let me encourage you to do that. Maybe it's maybe you use Apple products. It's on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts. It's everywhere. Uh, just search my name, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. You'll find it. We have new episodes uh, literally five days a week. Uh, and so you'll, you'll be able to get access to all that for free. And then if you've not subscribed to our YouTube channel, let me encourage you to do that as well. Uh, it helps us get the word out. Uh, I've only got one, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Abe, everybody else is fake. Uh, amen. Believe in that with you. Jolene. Keith and Sean, in Jesus' name, salvation for the family. Thanks for doing it. We appreciate you very much. We love you. Have a phenomenal day. And uh, we'll talk to you again tomorrow morning, 1030 a.m. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.